are you nostalgic for a simpler time? A time where controllers didn't have so many buttons. A time where games weren't so overly complicated by so many plot devices. Yeah, me too. I miss my NES. Hi, <laughs> I'm Bill, and I absolutely love old video games, but I didn't have anyone to play with. So I decided to start the Super Switch Club. That's right, a podcast dedicated to discussing and reliving the nostalgia of retro video games that are also on the Nintendo Online Virtual Library. Games like... Star Fox. Super Mario World. Kirby's Dreamland 3. Echo the Dolphin. Donkey Kong Country. The Legend of Zelda. Castlevania Bloodline. Super Metroid. Shining Force. Balloon Fight. Punch-Out. Sonic 2. F-Zero. Pokemon Snap. And so much more. The Super Switch Club is a podcaster's assemble style show from the We Can Make This Work, probably, podcast network. A podcast where we peel away the veneer of nostalgia and play some unnecessarily difficult video games just because our friends are playing them too. So join us on the Super Switch Club, where you can relive the nostalgia of tearing your hair out over an NES game that loves to troll the shit out of you. Fantastic. I'm thoroughly looking forward to this. Yeah, that sounds good. Best of all, you can too. Head on over to probablywork.com slash super switch club now to learn more. Joining me is Eric Slater. My name is Chris Carroll, and this is Comic Zombie. I freeze. I'm Batman. Ah! Some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate a wheel. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us for another episode of Comic Zombie. I'm your host Chris. With me as always, or as usual, is my co-host Eric. How's it going, Eric? Hey, doing good. And we're joined once again by Zach Derby. The great Zach Derby. Hello. I well, all right now. Some of those words don't go together. Stop that. <laughs> <laughs> so Zach joined us last time. Appreciate you guys having me back. Yes, absolutely. You we really enjoyed having you last time when we discussed phase one of the MCU. So we thought we would be loath not to have you back for phase two of the MCU, which is today's topic. So we're going to be covering 2013's Iron Man three and Thor the Dark World, along with 2014's Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, and I believe 2015's uh, Avengers Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. and Ant-Man to wrap things up. So, um, of course, all of us have seen all of these movies probably at least once. <laughs> Do you guys recall, as these were coming out, how you felt? Like, were you like me, where it was just every time something else came out, for the most part, uh, you were like, man, this crap just keeps getting better. This is crazy. Or were you just kind of like, eh, nothing beats Avengers 1. So I was in an interesting spot with um, with superhero movies at this point because as much as I was enjoying them, I was really, I remember being really concerned about the bubble. You know what I mean? Like how there was this Western phase and you had all these Westerns and then they just kind of went down in quality and just went away forever. And I was kind of worried that the same thing was going to happen with superhero movies at that point. Which is kind of silly looking back, like seeing where we are now. But it did feel like, okay, the Avengers is as good as it's ever going to get. We got the Avengers and the Dark Knight. Okay, let's call it quits on superhero movies for a while. Because I was worried about them (laughs) 
like flooding the market you know what i mean like putting out too many to the point where people would get disinterested i'm glad that didn't happen you know it turns out that there was definitely an audience there but uh yeah i was just i was kind of like a little concerned during phase two because i was like okay this is gonna be the last one this is the one where they you know uh really crap the bed (laughs) but uh I don't know. Maybe I'm in the minority there, but I was I was just kind of on the edge of my seat. Like I, I was enjoying the movies, but I was a little concerned that it couldn't last forever. To be fair, and Zach, I want your answer, but to be fair, Eric, you're still like that. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, I so. guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we don't have too many Batman movies. Yeah, I mean, I'm cautiously optimistic about it, but no, fair enough. I can. Um, I grew up watching a lot of old westerns with my dad, and I, I've seen the. Uh, I've seen great ones and bad ones, and I can completely understand where you're coming from, Eric. I think the difference here is all of these are from the same, essentially the same company uh, at this point. So they are, they, they are for the most part going to have the same support. Unlike the Westerns that you're speaking of were kind of from everywhere all over the place. And I can say that with the bubble approach, we not all the superhero movies that were coming out in the mid to late two thousands were bangers like MCU. So I think the bubble effect is still there, but it depends on who's putting out the product. Uh, But for phase two, I was very excited. Avengers was of phase one, as we talked about, like we couldn't even include that in our favorite because it was, it was everything we wanted, really. So yeah. phase two, I was excited to see where it was going to go. We knew that Thanos was a part of it. We knew that we were going to do an Infinity Saga. We didn't know it was going to take, um, you know, eleven years <laughs> to, to do. But I was, so, I was excited, um, and I had to do some reading up on some of these uh, storylines of phase two because I. You guys are big into comics, and I was sparse here and there. So I did my background on on all these uh, storylines, and I was looking forward to phase two. Well, and I should probably clarify, I guess I, my concern was that it felt like they were starting to oversaturate the schedule. Because this mm-hmm. was the first time, if I'm not mistaken, where we got two major superhero movies yes. a year. Well, that was not a thing uh, well, before. Well, well, I guess we, we kind of had that Iron Man, Iron Man... And Hulk came out in 2008. And then in 2011, we got Thor and Captain America. True, true. Okay, it had been done before, but... It had been done, (laughs) but then Iron Man 2 was 2010. There was a a two-year gap to Iron Man 2, another year to the Thor, Captain America, and then another year till Avengers in 2012. But then, from here on out, they were every single year. Eric, I think we're still PTSD from yes superman three and four and batman three and four is that you're like <laughs> they've been good but like at well, one point did we show up and like captain america's like disco dancing and thor exactly. is like recast is that's as what it is Dan, danny devito or something and it, the difference is is that <laughs> these are not made by warner brothers which may as right. well be run by a chimp <laughs> throwing stuff at a dartboard um the, <laughs> the mcu actually has a plan and so they've purposely yeah. made as many different types of properties as they can and encourage experimentation in genre. Like we'll see with the winter soldier specifically. Um, and, and so they don't keep making the same movie over and over and over again. They've made the same movie a couple times for sure, but well, you could argue that a hundred times you, you could definitely argue that there is a formula to the Marvel movies. I mean, there clearly is, but 
it it does allow for creativity it does allow for versatility which is what it's greatest strength is i think you know well yeah when you when they hire someone they're hiring them to make their version of a marvel Mm -hmm. cinema film a marvel studios film you're still making a marvel studios film you're not making like you're not chris nolaning this thing you're not gonna (laughs) yeah i don't care about these other 32 movies i'm an auteur i want to do you know luke cage in the 60s and it's like no or the 70s you know no that would be cool that would be cool but we're not doing that because this is our plan for the character like you know there's a plan um, it's not DC where they just go, well, let's just see what happens next. Well, that's, that's, uh, where when we get to Ant-Man, that's where Edgar Wright kind of ran into uh, a little bit of an issue there. Yes. And, when, and when Edgar the, Wright does a, does a movie, he, it's going to be an Edgar Wright movie. Right. And, uh, that's not what they were looking for necessarily. Yeah. And by all accounts, it's like no hard feelings or whatever, but, uh, that was definitely, uh, their, and the thing that was really weird is it came like right right before all the news that like Joss Whedon was like burned out, and this is before everybody knew like who Joss Whedon really was. Um, True, but it just seemed like for a minute they're like, "Wow, are they going overboard?" But because they're not stupid, they just kind of adjusted their strategy and how they approach things, and took the pedal up the gas a little bit and allowed some room for for reflection, and you know, were able to kind of quote unquote write the ship, and you know, they yeah. just they do it right, they do it right, and so we get a lot of good stuff and. I would say that at least one of the films in this one we're going to talk about today is probably ranked among the bottom of most people's uh, lists. And maybe more than one. But I would argue that even the worst of these is still a pretty good movie. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. Uh, Phase 2 is interesting, though, because it does have a few very divisive <sighs> movies in it, at least as as far as MCU movies go. But we do get some really, really interesting ones, you know, <laughs> like tonally, you know, these ones are kind of different from a lot of the ones that come after. Well, let's, let's get right into it. Uh, we start off with the direct follow-up to the Avengers, and that's Iron Man 3. Got a lot of apologies to make. Nothing's been the same since New York. They experience things, and then they're over. I can't sleep. And when I do, I have nightmares. Honestly, there's a hundred people who want to kill me. I hope I can protect the one thing I can't live without. A couple interesting things to note. One is that it's the only one of the 
gosh, as far as I can remember off the top of my head, any movie in the series of MCU films that just has a two or a three and not Iron Man, The Rise of the Mandarin or something like that. Also, the majority of this movie, Tony is not in his armor. And so we spend a lot of time with Robert Downey Jr. without his his resources. And so it's an interesting switch. Uh, in this one, of course, John Favreau was not directing. He was replaced by Shane Black, who uh, I personally love and who got a great oh, yeah. performance out of Downey in a movie called Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So I actually really enjoy Iron Man 3, but we were talking about how these are divisive movies. And I think Iron Man 3 has one of, if not the most divisive twists <laughs> reveals at the beginning of its, I guess the end of the second act, beginning of the third act. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it was one of those at first, I didn't know how to feel about it. I went between hating it and loving it. I tend to kind of really dig it now, but it was definitely a decision. And so uh, I think a lot of people that were upset with that reveal kind of forgot that the rest of this movie is pretty, pretty awesome. In my opinion, what did you guys think? Do you agree or disagree? Yeah. So, um, I'm kind of in a similar boat. The first time I saw it, I did enjoy it. I liked it quite a bit, but I felt like it was a step down from Iron Man 2, which I also actually really liked. I felt like the, you know, it was like one was better than two, two was better than three. But since then, I've really gotten used to that twist because that twist did really, really throw me off. But, you know, going back to it, revisiting it, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's actually a lot better than Iron Man 2. Um it's got some great moments, character moments, um, and it's very much about Tony Stark. Like, it's very character driven in the best way, I think. And it was really cool to see him out of his element, like without his suit. You know, uh, he has to kind of, you know, uh, innovate. <laughs> There's not as many. Also, it's a Christmas um, movie. Yeah. Just like Batman. By my standards, it is a Christmas movie. Yes. Um, <laughs> as much as Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie. Thank you, Eric. Go to hell, Zach. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I think one thing that kind of gets lost on this one is that while there may be not as many massive action sequences, the ones that they have are actually really, really well done. Zach, did you have a particular uh, gripe or, or thing you really dug about this movie? When it first came out, uh, there were some things that I really did enjoy about it. Uh, I thought it was very neat, like the climactic battle and finally seeing what we know Tony is good for, a multitude of Iron Man yes. suits. And we had almost a uh, a prerequisite for the Hulkbuster armor that showed up. Very yep. small, small part, but seeing all these different armors by the end was really cool and I really liked it. I liked the 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 continuing character development of Tony I I enjoyed seeing Tony have to make do without the armor he was so exposed and vulnerable throughout most of the movie <clears throat> the thing that at the time really irritated me and it felt like a bait and switch was when we found out that uh Ben Kingsley was in fact not playing the Mandarin, he was Trevor Slatery, I think his name was. And <laughs> yeah, the, other, the other, the <clears> other, <throat> that's it, Trevor. Um, and the other, the other uh, douchebag was the, uh, was claiming to be the Mandarin. Guy Pierce, uh, right? And, yeah. And, yeah, and then they also brought in the Extremis virus, which was changed a lot that from the cool. comics, so... 
it was a it was a different approach that didn't bother me as much as the bait and switch of oh my god it's the mandarin and they made him look like the mandarin and oh god it, it the 10 rings and then <laughs> oh no it's not at the time i this was for a long time uh my least favorite mcu movie hmm. it did change and get better a year later with all hail the king Oh, that yeah. started yes. <laughs> that started everything. to restore my faith in okay now whether you did this as a plan to piss me off and then make me happy <laughs> no, they just they listened to the fans they listened they they that was a re, that was they a reaction to the fan reaction yeah yeah, yeah. And, and honestly for me this and was like the then. biggest the biggest thing that i've ever kind of irked me and they can do whatever they want it's their it's their world that they're building but for me as a fan I was yeah. I did not like it. And now, you know, going forward into phase four, they have completely, you know, come oh, yeah. come full circle with that. Now we'll get they to that, that in off. the future. They they did. Yeah. They did. Now I will know, say what sorry, it is a little strange that, that we got to see Tony Stark in like what nine movies, ten, eleven movies, something like that. And not at any point did Iron Man face off against his biggest nemesis. Like you never got like a Batman <laughs> versus Joker or Spider Man versus Green Goblin or anything like that. Yeah, it was more no. metaphorical. Well, I guess <laughs> his, his big way. nemesis in the MCU yeah. was probably Thanos. Or himself. Eventually. Well, well uh, other than himself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is kind of weird. Like, he never he never fought the Crimson Dynamo. There's, like, a whole bunch of great Iron Man villains he never fought. Um, yeah, the Living Laser, Blizzard, yeah. Controller, well, Odok. We can also of... only do so much with the MCU with so much, so much True. time, so many movies and set up and, and everything. The, so. Keeping in mind, too, that this is what? This is the... One, two, three. So at this point, Iron Man 3 is the seventh movie in the MCU. And three of those mm-hmm. seven movies have been Iron Man and another one heavily featured Iron Man. They were still trying to figure out how far they could go. You know, had they made this movie like an Iron Man 4 or whatever, or Iron Man 5, they probably would have gone like full on the Mandarin and Fin Fang Foom and all kinds of crazy shit. But it would have distracted. Considering that, you know, they were like, okay, who can we bring in that's still like somewhat believable? You know, well, we can do like Whiplash or Justin Hammer, you know, the, the, uh, we could do Obadiah Stane. Like, there's a few other guys they could have done, but they decided to use AIM and. Yep threw the Mandarin in there and just kind of went for it. And, I, you know, regardless of how – even with the times where I didn't really like the twist, and there was a couple of times where I really wasn't feeling it, yeah, I still respected. Like, that's ballsy, you know? Yeah. Like, you don't see a lot of risk-taking like that in big studio films. So I was like, all right, even if I don't appreciate – like, or I didn't like it, it didn't land for me, I do appreciate the attempt at trying to pull the rug out. I don't know if it was maybe used yeah. in the best place. <laughs> But it was cool. The The thing about the Mandarin twist is that the trailers really built up this character. And it seemed like from the trailers that there's a really cool approach to the Mandarin. He's just like this mastermind terrorist or something. I don't know. But like that, they really played that up in the trailers to the point where I was looking forward to that. And that's why it yeah. came out at the time. Mm-hmm. But now that I know what the movie is, I really enjoy it for what it is. It just, I think the trailers were a little too misleading in that way. Totally. Yeah. I, b- I bet if I go back and I watch it, I'll, you know, it's been a while. Now that I've seen, you know, the follow-up uh, with Shang-Chi, I, I bet I'm going to enjoy it far more now. But uh, what I was going to say is, Chris, I do agree with you that, you know, going by your diehard standards, this is a Christmas movie. And I, I would say <laughs> it may even surpass diehard because Tony has a much better character arc than John McClane yeah. does. 
I, I don't disagree with that. Um, also, the movie opens with the Eiffel 66 song. Uh, sorry, Eiffel 65? 68? 65. <laughs> <laughs> yes you know the 65. blue song yeah that one yes and happy that's, Hogan that's with exactly a how it goes i <laughs> totally i every time i start this movie up i get flashbacks to 1999 <laughs> it was a good year i think i think it was the year i graduated that's how old my old ass is <laughs> i'm only two years behind you chris you're not that much older than i am <laughs> The, my only other thing now that I remember it that uh, is it, me nitpicking it and you guys can remind me at the end, he w- he blew up all of his suits because he was giving up being <laughs> Iron Man, right? Yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. So he w- he was going to be done, but it di- he went through all of this and, and he made this movie. big character. Yeah, b- this decision. And then it didn't it didn't hold it. W- it was like, oh, this is the end of his character's. Uh, I guess development well, story, whole, and now he's going to walk away. But no, I guess not. Yeah, the idea was that like by the end of the third movie, and he he had got the surgery to repair the thing in his heart and everything, so he no longer mm-hmm. needed to have the arc reactor in his chest. So he no longer really needed to be Iron Man. Uh, but then the next time we see him in Age of Ultron, it's like, well, I got to help the Avengers clean up Hydra. And the next time you see him after that, you know, it's the Civil War. It's like, well, my friends are in trouble, and I, I'm semi-retired. But my friends need me, so I'll help yeah. them out. And then it's, and then it's, and then it's, and then it's, and then it's. So like, there is actually like, that's why you don't get an Iron in. Man four because he is like technically retired, but he keeps yeah. getting pulled into shit because he's Tony Stark. Uh, and that's why they he has a brief conversation with Pepper about that, where he's he's like, she's like, "What's that?" He's like, "I'm glad you brought this up because like it's it's just it's nanotechnology. I'm working on this thing." And she's like, "Yeah, see, that's the thing, Tony. There's always going to be another thing." He's like, no, I'm just trying to prepare for this one thing because he's thinking Thanos still. Yeah. So yeah, he retired from like superheroing, but at the end, of, like he never stopped tinkering and building. So instead of having uh, a menagerie of death robots like he had in this one, uh, he ends up <laughs> yeah. with just like that one little cluster of nanotechnology that just becomes like his ever evolving suit from that point forward. Um, yeah, but you're right though; it is kind of a, a hollow resolution uh, a character moment because like literally the very next time we see him at the beginning of avengers age of ultron is him and the avengers going and beating the shit out of some hydrogens like and he's just having fun as iron man yeah so it's like well that that didn't last very long Um, yeah it's cool but it does feel like we've missed a movie you know (laughs) so just real quick the finale of like tony and and roadie without suits on Saving the president cool. from yeah. Killian and, and the extremist guys and all that using the uh, what was it called? Oh, what was it? The something protocol, the block party protocol, full house protocol. I don't know what it was. Something like that, where <laughs> all the Iron Man suits show up. Like you mentioned, that was very cool. And then of course you get the whole another thing that didn't really go anywhere was that Pepper was given the extremist virus or extremist virus, yep. the extremist um, injection, and she is pretty badass at the end of the movie. And then like that, nothing ever comes of that. Um, and she's so, cured. Yeah. Yep. So it's a little <laughs> like, Hmm. But at the same time, the experience of watching the story, I think really works. It's just kind of, um, nerfed a little bit because of its lack of impact. I mean, it really, other than Shang-Chi and just a cameo at the end of Endgame, I don't think really anything from this movie much carries over. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 
Because we don't even see Ian again, I don't think, right? I don't think so. Yeah, that's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. So anyway, we get to the uh, the end of the movie and and Tony and and Rhodey have saved the president and turns out the vice president was a scumbag and blah, 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 blah. Uh, We end with a post-credits reveal that we get like some Tony narration moments in the movie where Tony's like clearly telling the story to the audience. But the reveal in the post-credits is that he's actually been telling the story to Dr. Bruce Banner, who has fallen asleep essentially (laughs) after the opening sequence of the movie. Uh, fell asleep, yes. so he's missed like the whole story, and Tony gets irritated with him. So it's not really a post-credit sequence of any uh, significance, other than that it establishes that these two are now friends outside of that Avengers movie, and that maybe we can expect to see more interactions like this. That's pretty much the only thing I got from it. What about you guys? Did you enjoy it, the post-credits, or thought it was kind of lame? Or uh, you know, it it now now going through the rest of the movies, you know, you don't realize it at the time. Um, but it helps set set up their relationship for Age of Ultron. Yeah, I think it continues that brief interactions they had in Avengers and just shows that, like, oh, no, these guys actually like, work well together. Like, they get along. Yeah. Um, it's curious that that was, like, the big post or mid-credits thing or whatever. Like, there wasn't something to really further a story, um, especially since Avengers just went, like, hey, Thanos, just FYI, Thanos. And this one's, like, uh, Banner's asleep. <laughs> huh? <laughs> um, I, I did enjoy it though. It's a funny little bit, but it was made a little, me laugh. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that uh, that segues uh, segues us into uh, Thor sequel, Thor: The Dark World. After all this time, now you come to visit me, brother. Why? To mock. I need your help. But I wish I could trust you. If you did, you'd be the fool I always took you for. Some believe that before the universe, there was nothing. They're wrong. There was darkness, and it has survived. What's gonna happen? I gave you my word. I would return for you. You face an enemy. Not only to a few. Known only to one. You must be truly desperate to come to me for help. If we do nothing, they will destroy us. You even think about betraying us. I'll kill you. That was from New York. I like her. Thor, your bravery will not ease your pain. Your family, your world will be extinguished. We're running out of time. The very fabric of reality can be torn apart. I'll find a way to save us all. Anyone else? 
I think like Iron Man 2 and maybe The Incredible Hulk, this is one that tends to be towards the bottom of most people's lists of MCU rankings, I suppose. And I think the big fault of that is that they don't give nearly enough time to develop the villain, um, Malekith, the Dark Elf, and of course Curse, who a lot of people didn't even realize was Curse in the movie, which drives me crazy because he's awesome. But it, they really don't. So they introduce the concept of the Dark Elves and then spend the rest of the time dealing with the fallout from Avengers, essentially. Yeah, they continue to... I mean, we, I like how we continue the relationship between Thor and Loki. Um, and, I mean, yeah. people love Loki as soon as he showed up. And I also really liked how we got more uh, Heimdall. He... I. I love Idris Elba and I like his version. Yeah. I, I think he does a pretty good job with that. Um, I, I, you know, I, again, I think that uh, it's, it's unfortunate that this, that these particular villains are underplayed because the dark elves, as silly as they sound, can actually be quite terrifying. And Malekith in particular is very disturbing. Like he's a very <sighs> intense character um, and could have really been, mine for some depth instead they took christopher eccleston who's a you know really terrific actor especially playing like intimidating characters and just completely took any like real presence out of the script like he doesn't really get to do anything his his whole story is like he wants to get the ether to do stuff and thor doesn't want to do that and so thor and jane foster um try to figure out a way to stop him from doing that and get the ether out of her and Loki gets killed, but not really like it's, it's a bit of a mess. Um, it I is think the, the saving you, grace is the performances. Yeah. You've got a lot that's happening. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, it's not as bad as I think it was um, like justice league when they were bringing like <laughs> four different, stories together but this one is a bit of everything being brought together like in iron man 3 we had extremis and we had mandarin being brought in like two two completely different and and aim so you had like three different storylines all kind of coming together um this one definitely is a little bit more messy but i do like you know how we get a little bit more of the warriors i like how the interactions with the characters overall, I liked the character development. Um, I liked yeah. what they set up with Loki. I, but I think the weakest part was um, Malekith. And yeah. like you said, if they had, if they had a better plan to introduce his character, or did they tease the the Dark Elves at all in? the original Thor, because they touched no. on the different realms and we knew about the no, ice I think giants, you but... might maybe see one of them in Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's after this. We do. So we didn't yeah, get we anything. we see one that's captured. Yeah, but we didn't get anything before. Like, there's nothing about the Dark okay. Elves in the first Thor. So, yeah, yeah, it's th- just there they wasn't... weren't set up properly and they didn't give no. enough, like, context other than Odin going, like, they're real scary. You know, it's just, and even though the characters <laughs> in the movie kind of rip on them when they're like, the Dark Elves are coming and they're like, ooh, and then they kill a bunch of no-face guys and you're like, whatever. And then Curse kills, Curse and Malekith kill Thor's mom. Everybody, yeah. Yeah, so like they get a little bit of infamy just for killing Freya, uh, but it's like, I, I don't know. As much as I like Rene Russo in that role and I like that character and I thought that was a really cool fight and all that. 
it felt like they killed her just to give a reason for Loki and Thor to like have to do something together. Yeah, um, together to yeah get back at him. Which so it just kind of feels like, miserably. Yeah, it just felt a little. I don't know. It felt like it maybe wasn't the best written entry in the MCU, and they they it just kind of feels a bit messy, and it just it just doesn't have like the right focus. It doesn't have really any focus, but it does have like you mentioned. It has some really excellent character interactions and character development. And a lot of really – it's one of the funnier MCU movies, weirdly enough. But it kind of doesn't get credit for that because Ragnarok is the funniest MCU movie. And it's not it so is. much Thor being funny as the movie around him. Um, so, you know, I don't hate this movie. I, I can watch it anytime someone wants to put it on. I'd be like, I'd be fine watching The Dark World. But I wouldn't – if I'm someone's asking me, like, if you got to watch one of the MCU movie right now, it, this would never be my selection. <laughs> uh, so I, I really dug this movie when it came out. It's definitely like looking back, it's definitely lower tier, but I think it had a lot going for it. I think the real issue with the movie, though, was Malekith. I think that he's a really great character in the comics and they just didn't get there with this version for whatever That's reason. What we, yeah. That's exactly. What <laughs> yeah, we I guess saying. you guys totally agree. <laughs> totally agree. Uh, but what saves it, I think, is Loki. I think Loki's character actually gets a lot of development in this one. Um, mm-hmm. And. I, I don't know. I really like that aspect of it. And I also like uh, Natalie Portman as Jane Foster. I think it was kind of cool how the first movie has Thor as the fish out of water. But in this case, it's Jane and Asgard. So it's kind of a reversal of the first movie. So it'll, it'll it's some elements going for it. I just think the third act like really kind of dropped the ball. But yeah, like you said, the humor, all that's great. And it was cool to see some of the other realms. Yeah. Well, our post-credits uh, scene in this movie is nonsense. It's just a little throwaway joke. But the mid-credits sequence, at the time, maybe didn't seem like the hugest deal in the world, but ended up having some pretty significant consequences down the line, in which we see oh, yeah. that uh, some of the Warriors 3, I think it's Sif and Volstagg, and I don't remember who else, Yep. but they're taking the ether um, that's been extracted from everybody, and they're giving it to the Collector who then uh, someone asked them to the extent of, like, are you sure it's safe to st- store more than one Infinity Stone or blah, 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 blah. So they reveal that the Aether is, in fact, one of the Infinity Stones. And to this point, that's the only one that we're aware is actually an Infinity Stone. That's the first I time we hear the words it- Infinity Stone mentioned in the MCU. Oh, is that right? I think that you're right. Because I know, obviously... Obviously, the Tesseract's one, but we didn't know that at the we time, We didn't know I guess. that. We just knew it was the Cosmic Cube, as far as we knew. We didn't know that inside of it was an Infinity Stone. So the only thing that yeah. we know at this point is that the Aether is the first... The Reality Stone was the first one that was confirmed to be an actual Infinity Stone. Nice. Which is weird, because it's not a stone at all. Well, they turn it into... They condense it into a stone. Yeah. Um, totally. So that brings us to what many, myself included believe might be the best entry in the MCU to date, and that's Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Coming up on the drop zone, Cap. You do anything fun Saturday night? Well, all the guys in my barbershop quartet are dead, so... No, not really. You know, if you ask Kristen out from statistics, you'd probably say yes. That's why I don't ask. Too shy or too scared? Too busy! Is he wearing a parachute? No. No, he wasn't. They joined S.H.I.E.L.D. to protect people. Captain, to build a better world, 
sometimes means tearing the old one down. And that makes enemies. Are you ready for the world to see you as you really are? Look out the window. You know how the game works. Disorder, war. All it takes is one step. We're gonna neutralize a lot of threats before they even happen. Thought the punishment usually came after the crime. Shield takes the world as it is, not as we'd like it to be. This isn't freedom. This is fear. You need to keep both eyes open. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? has been a gift to mankind. You've shaped the century. And I need you to do it one more time. You're up. It's time. This movie is awesome. They added in a lot to the mythos. We get a lot Black Widow co-stars with Captain America as like his partner in this one. They introduced the Falcon. They introduced the Winter Soldier. The really the 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 concept that Hydra has been behind Shield the entire time. We get the kind of a, a weird version, but kind of a throw off to the. Uh, the Arnim Zola from the comics, like the the TV screen and all that stuff. We get. What else? Uh, I said the Winter Soldier. There's a lot of cro- crossbones in the strike team. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. A lot is added to the Captain America mythos from the books. It's very cool. I think this movie has some of the actual, maybe the best action scenes in any of the solo Marvel movies. I mean, it's it's so well done, uh, and just the the fact that they use like a '70s spy, you know, thriller genre and cast Robert Redford in it. Like, I mean, it's just so well done. I really enjoy it. And, um, well, it's also I, the closest I, thing we've ever gotten to a Nick Fury movie, and it's a Black Widow team-up movie. So, like, yeah. it has a lot going for it, and I just and it I works. love that they included those characters so heavily. Yeah, it's and totally this is cool. why this movie is why the Russo brothers got to make Civil War and Avengers three and four, and if they wanted to, could still be making all the MCU movies they wanted to make. And I remember at the time when this came out, it really felt like Avengers one point five. Because he had, you know, obviously Black Widow, Nick Fury, uh, a lot of those elements like S.H.I.E.L.D. and all that. Um, but it was cool because it was a Captain America movie, you know. Um, I was bothered. I get like Iron Man. Th- a little bit. I, 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 was, I get that Iron Man 3 is all about like separating Tony Stark from everything. But I, did, I was kind of bummed that we didn't get to see like him and Rhodey together like the whole time, like as like partners. Yeah. And then you would have like Captain Black Widow in this movie. And uh, it just would have been cool to see all the sequels in this in, in Phase Two, like all like across even Thor, over. like have Thor, like maybe the Hulk is there, whatever it is, um, team him up with somebody, Hawkeye. I don't care. Just that would have been interesting, <laughs> just to give them like a little side, even if it's not for the full movie, but just for like a 
a section, yeah. you know, just to, to have a little bit of crossover. That's why Winter Soldier feels very important to the MCU. Yeah. A lot happens oh, oh. in this movie of pretty significant consequence. Yeah, like the music, the music's really good in it too. The music's great. Yeah, this yeah, one. The Hydra Twist comes out of the comics, out of uh, Jonathan Hickman's series called Secret Warriors, where it's revealed that uh, Shield has always been fighting Hydra, but Shield has actually always been Hydra, and that the victories that Shield was allowed over Hydra were like just surface wins, like you know they they were superficial, and that the real yeah. victories were that Hydra just kept growing and growing inside of America. Yeah, and so they do a but, similar yeah. thing here, and it's just it's done incredibly well. They tied the Winter Soldier to that plot, that storyline, and and instead of using the Red Skull, and they uh, they just I mean the, the whole thing with the helicarriers using the the Arnim Zola algorithm to basically kill everybody that's not white essentially, uh, and Captain America having to to fight you know him and Black Widow and the Falcon versus like all of Hydra. It was just really pretty epic for what on the surface seemed like maybe what was going to be one of the smaller MCU films. Yeah. Well, and it was also very current, like all the surveillance stuff, like all that was very current at the time. I remember. Yeah. And for, for, I guess what you're saying being a, what would have been a smaller film, this film had one of the biggest, uh, MCU, uh, I don't know, ripple effects because at the end of this film, for the most part, shield is done. There is no more shield in the MCU. If you follow Agents of Shield and it pops up again in Age of Ultron, you do still have a helicarrier out there. You do still have shield kind of existing and guarding the world, but it's not what it has been portrayed as. After this, <clears throat> you know, it it never shows up again and it it has that effect throughout the rest of the MCU and the Avengers and and everything and it was and really for me it was one of those holy shit moments like you just got rid of shield i did not anticipate yeah. that not only that but and if you so think early, about it it felt pretty early on right like <laughs> we were just getting used to shield and then they pulled the rug out you know again yeah because we think, didn't really have shield yeah. until uh the avengers, avengers. Like, they were there obviously because of a fury but yeah, you had it in Avengers, and now three films later, yeah, there's no more S.H.I.E.L.D. If you think about it, yeah. other than a scene in the barn in Avengers 2 and the prequel Captain Marvel, they kind of got rid of Nick Fury in this movie, too. Like We've barely seen him. Say, he's not even in the Black Widow movie, for God's sake. Like We've barely seen him since Winter yeah, Soldier. That's kind of odd. Yeah. Um, you know, just, you think but about he is going to be coming back. Yeah, no, he's got a big, big role coming time. up. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I just I could really go on and on and on about Winter Soldier. We can get into some more details about it later on when we're going through kind of some of our favorite moments from Phase Two. But uh, I, I really feel like a production value, storytelling, acting, action, all of it, top notch. Like they really mm-hmm. set the bar very high. It's a fantastic it's, movie. And then the the Bucky storyline, they nailed it. Like they really, they, I don't know, you know, <laughs> like the Bucky thing in the first movie was there, but this one really solidified that, you know, like they, they built on it in a really cool way. Yeah, I agree. And, um, we get to see, uh, uh some teases for him in the post credit sequence where he's at the Captain America exhibit at the Smithsonian and clearly kind of trying to piece his memories back together. But the, uh, 
the big thing here is the mid credit sequence in which we see Baron Strucker from Hydra uh, reveals that they have been doing some um, experimentation with the stone in Loki's scepter from Avengers, which we'll find out later is uh, the Mind Stone. And two people have survived the experimentation and uh, we get a very quick tease about the twins. And if you're familiar with the comic books, immediately recognizable as Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch, which had me like geeking out super hard. I know Eric was too. Mm -hmm. What about you, Zach? I was very, very excited to, to see them both. I was... A little confused and interested of how they were going to work them in because I at this point right. of the MCU, you had this big thing where the MCU couldn't use the term mutants and mm-hmm. couldn't utilize mutant characters, but they were able to work in Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, but they weren't mutants and changed their origin. So for the sake of the movie, I was on board and interested because I like both the characters. I definitely like Scarlet Witch more than Quicksilver. Quicksilver is a bit of a douche at times, uh, but I was excited to see them both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I thought they did an excellent job setting them up. We just had a little quick tease. Now, so Winter Soldier, at the end of the day, like we said, is one of the best MCU films, and they set the bar really yep. high as far as, like, good luck following this up. Uh, but the next <laughs> thing up was James Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy. Xandar. Check out the rap sheets. Drax, a.k.a. the Destroyer. Since his wife and family were killed, he's been on a rampage across the galaxy in his search for vengeance. Gamora, soldier, assassin, wanted on over a dozen counts of murder. Rocket, wanted on over 50 charges of vehicular theft and escape from lockup. What the hell? Groot, he's been traveling recently as Rocket's personal houseplant slash muscle. Peter Jason Quill. He's also known as Star-Lord. Who calls him that? Himself, mostly. He's wanted largely on charges of minor assault, public intoxication, and fraud. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't know how this machine worked. Hey, 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 that's mine. You son of a hey! Take those headphones off right now! They call themselves the Guardians of the Galaxy. What a bunch of a holes. Hooked on a feeling. I'm high on believing that you're in love with me. I'm hooked on a feeling. 
Which honestly, I think was the perfect follow-up because it was so different. It was, yes, as we've seen with James Gunn, with what he's done with the MCU and also the DCEU, uh, this yep. guy is an expert at taking characters and nobody has any clue who the hell they are, <laughs> making them super enjoyable and interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm... I'm a comic book fan, you know, I can, especially at that time, you know, um, I was actually working at a comic book store when this came out and I barely knew who the guardians of the galaxy were <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. killing me, bro. Uh, so They're I had pretty been, deep cuts or they were, at well, the time. it depends. I had been a fans couple of big most of these characters from but, when I was a kid. I had star Lord. I had had all the Marvel illustrated issues with him in it. Um, and and uh, I knew who Groot was from some old Thor reprints, and like I knew who Rocket Raccoon was, but I was really a fan of Drax and Gamora um, from mm-hmm. the like Infinity Gauntlet era. And so, yeah. and I had been reading all the Annihilation books. So when this book showed up, like I was pretty well familiar with all of them, and I started reading Guardians right from the get go, which had been going out for a few years before this came out. And I remember being at a movie theater watching The Winter Soldier with my wife and some friends of ours, and the trailer for this popped up. And everybody's like, I mean, it looks cool, but like, what the fuck? A raccoon in a tree? Like, that looks <laughs> ridiculous. And I was mm-hmm. saying, look, I know it looks silly, but I promise you, if you see it, it's going to be like your favorite. Thing. You're going to be shocked at how much you like it. And sure enough, it was like a massive hit. Because, yeah, on the surface, it's really stupid. But the <laughs> the trick is like, these are all characters that are exceptionally well-rounded and well-created. And they had a writer-director that knows – character is the most important thing here like it's all about making these characters relatable and finding ways for us to love them and he does that so quickly and so well with each one of them that that by the end of the movie when a character like Groot quote unquote dies um half the audience I went to see it with was freaking sniffling and sobbing at at you know a CGI Vin Diesel um <laughs> yeah. it was just Play it just goes to show, like, if a movie, if a, a concept in a movie are treated, if a concept in a movie are treated with the right, I don't want to necessarily say reverence, but the right respect for the source material, but at the same time, like, an eye towards how to adapt that for the screen and not just copy it, wrote, or change it for no reason, you end up with something, usually something that's quite, you know, outstanding. And that's certainly the case here. I totally agree. It wasn't Plus, hurt got, by the fact you know, that its soundtrack was great, and its soundtrack probably cost them about hundred million say. dollars on its own. <laughs> yeah, this, <laughs> one of the, this movie has an one of the best soundtracks. Soundtrack. Oh yeah. yeah, all classic rock. But uh, it's it, it, hard. It's a movie about misfits up against like impossible odds. That's really what it's about, and it's about finding family and, um, you know, and, and just fun like Indiana Jones style like kind of scound, scoundrel yeah. work and. Um, it's just, it's funny and it's charming and it's, and it's fun. And then at the same time, it introduces a lot of concepts like, of course, the guardians and all the weird wacky corners of their universe, nowhere, Xandar and the Nova Corps. But yeah. it really does a lot to further kind of slowly, at least introduce people into the Thanos corner. Like we meet Gamora and Nebula. Yeah. We see Thanos actually have a conversation for once. You know, we, we, we meet the Kree for the first time. So was, mm-hmm. there was a lot of like kind of slow world building. They didn't try to like dump it all on us at once like Zack Snyder. Um, they just kind of like <laughs> you dip your toe into it and you're going to get more. You know, we'll feed you baby birds. And <laughs> the fact that they did this all that movie- kept the movie funny and gave it so much heart is why like it stands, it stands out. It's still probably one of the five yeah. to ten best MCU movies they've made so far. 
this movie has a lot going for it but yeah th- there's a lot of heavy lifting this movie does as far as world building like you said this is the first major introduction of the cosmic side of the marvel universe and they mm-hmm. pulled it off beautifully like there's a there's some goofy ass concepts in this movie but like they made it all cool or i guess i should say james gunn made it cool he really his style just worked here I, when they first announced this, I had very limited knowledge of Guardians. And honestly, I remembered, I think I had a couple of... The 90s one? Like the the, the old school with like Yondu mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, with the what, big Starhawk. And yeah, like so yeah. I, I knew a little <laughs> bit about it. So then when, uh, when I was looking into it going, I don't... All right, who the hell's Star-Lord? I don't know who are these people. And then I started reading, okay, now I, I knew who Drax was. I, I had remember seeing Rocket. Um, then I was going and piecing it together and going, all right, this, this could be, this could be fun. It looks stupid, but, uh, and overall, I think it's a great movie for me. The one thing I think they could have, I don't know, done a little bit more with would have been, uh, Ronan because he is such a badass in the comics and, you know, they, they handled him, uh, creatively. Well, they did. Well, yeah. The the only person he fought was a a very drunk Drax, so he didn't even stand a (laughs) chance. And you know, uh, and I love Drax, and (laughs) and I Dave Bautista is the perfect person to play him. Oh, he's so good! Yeah. (laughs) Oh, he's terrific. Uh, I think my favorite character out of the whole gang is Nebula, but Drax is awesome. Mm Nebula is awesome. Uh, Karen Gillian is Karen. Karen Yeah, Karen Gillian. Yes. Uh, but um, Gamora's great too. Zoe uh Saldana. Yeah. She yeah. plays a hero in the Star Trek movies. Yeah, she's great. I think yes. Pratt she really is, every, is the a lot whole, funnier yeah. in this one than the other ones. Totally. Like the, the entire cast does an amazing job. Even yeah. uh Damn, I can't think of anyone's name today, but <laughs> Bradley <laughs> Cooper Raccoon. is uh Bradley Rocket. Cooper. Yeah. It's awesome. But yeah, this I think this is one of the most rewatchable MCU movies for me. And I, a part of yeah, it is the definitely. soundtrack, but it's just hilarious. Cool visuals. Like, it's got everything you need. It's awesome. The post credit sequence we get is horrible. It's my least favorite one. And they go back to it again in the second <laughs> one. And it's just Howard the Duck sitting around in the collector's room. It's just like, eh, here's some stupid pun. Meh. And I can't really complain because the movie was so good. And the post credit yeah. scenes, the, the post credits style of like an 80s high school comedy was hilarious. So I dug it. But that post-credit sequence had to go like, man, I sat through these credits for that. Real quick, the collector, Benicio del Toro, is that his name? Yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. who it is, right? Yeah, yes. I thought he was great, and I'm kind of disappointed we didn't get more of him throughout these movies. Um, I it mm-hmm. seemed like we were I going to, the, but then Thanos happened. Yeah, especially with that credit scene in credit scene in uh, the Dark World. I thought they were kind of setting him up as the bad guy for this movie, and he was in like two scenes. Uh, now yeah. he did get in a really, a really important scene with the Power Stone. He introduced the concept of the Infinity Stones, basically, and the Celestials. Yeah, and the Celestials. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he does a pretty big exposition dump that that's uh, <laughs> kind of reverberated throughout these movies. Yeah, they didn't do much with his, with his character, and in the comics, he's uh, he's definitely put up a fight against the Avengers and um, quite a few different teams where he gets the upper hand. Yeah. He's like an elder God or something like that. He's, he's quite powerful. He's not just a yeah, guy I mean, that lives on nowhere. No, but I mean, you know, no, it, it, we at least got that. What like, if here's episode. a giant dude with a mustache. Yeah. And what if. Like it's, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, the what if was pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. So then we segue from Guardians of the Galaxy to the follow-up to the one of the biggest movies of all time, and that's Avengers Age of Ultron. I was designed to save the world. People who look to the sky and see hope. I'll take that from them first. There's only one path to peace. Their extinction. I tried to create a suit of armor around the world. But I created something terrible. Artificial intelligence. It's called the Ultron program. I'm sick of watching people pay for our mistakes. Isn't why we fight so we can end the fight and go home? Well, you amazingly failed. <laughs> Here we all are. With nothing but our wit and our will to save the world. So stand and fight. No way we all get through this. I got no plans tomorrow night. I'm always picking up after you, boys. We can tear them apart. From the inside. That's the best you can do! <laughs> you had ass. And this is another one that's probably one of the most divisive movies in the MCU. A lot of people really don't like it at all. I, For me personally, I feel like it is it is a little spotty. Uh, Whedon has said the reason is because it's actually a three-hour movie that's been – had a lot of content cut out of it. And I don't think we're ever going to see some of that because they didn't finish yeah, some of the effects on it. But yeah, it's 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 a shame because it's it'd be interesting to see his entire movie. You know, why they didn't want to do that, I don't know. Anyway, the thing that I think didn't really land with – comic book fans at least was Ultron himself. Not that he's terrible, but but he's very different from his comic book counterpart. And I think the fact that he they tried to make his face humanish and move around like it's humanish, it was a huge mistake. Um yeah, he should be like they, Skynet. He, he should not have empathy. He shouldn't be like, oh look, he's sad. Like that's fuck what? Um so I feel like they <laughs> really missed Ultron, the ball. Yeah. A few times with Ultron. And I feel like that's where, like, in trying to make him funny, like, oh, God. I think the story itself just needed a bit of a rework. And, again, that may be a byproduct of the fact that it's not the full story. But I thought that the uh, additions of Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch really worked for me. And the introduction of Vision really worked for me. And I thought they did a nice job, Mm -hmm. like, um, giving Hawkeye a lot more of focus since he got so sidelined in the first one. And it was really cool to see them fight together as a team. Like that scene in the woods at the beginning was really excellent. Oh, yeah. So there, there's some big standout moments here. I think maybe my favorite bit of trivia about this movie is at the end when we see our new lineup for the Avengers that we don't really ever get to see Avenge. 
Um, which is a damn shame that <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like it's too bad in Infinity War it wasn't Avengers 4 and we didn't get into Avengers 3 with this lineup but the next yeah. time we see the Avengers they're all fighting each other well you you technically get to see them at the beginning of Civil War for about 10 minutes yeah, for so about, you, yeah, you, you, even you that do one, get that lineup that one well you don't see War Machine which would have been cool um, yeah oh, that's right you know so it just doesn't feel quite you know you lose Iron Man Thor and Hulk and the only thing you really replace anybody with is Scarlet Witch it just felt like they were a lesser product, I guess. I don't know. It was weird, but I enjoyed oh, that team. I thought they were cool, but it just it would have been nice to see the lineup from the end of this we- movie actually do something. A uh, little bit of trivia, though. That scene where they're all like Avengers. <sighs> Originally, there were going to be two more Avengers in that room, and it, that scene was going to be the first time we saw those Avengers, and it was going to be the introduction of both Captain Marvel and Spider-Man. Yep. And they just couldn't quite nail down the rights to Spider-Man, and they decided that since Captain Marvel's first introduction was then going to be in her own movie, that she probably deserved to have an origin story before we get to see her. Uh, so they kind of reworked that ending. But if you look at yep. the shot where they're all kind of standing around, it, there's there's two spaces, big glaring open spaces. And that's where Captain Marvel was going to come landing down and Spider-Man was going to descend from the ceiling. So just a little bit of trivia there. That's yep. cool. Yeah, I remember reading that at the time and I was like so bummed out that it didn't happen. <laughs> I think this movie does a really nice job with humor and, and with some action and character bits. But again, the overarching story falls flat and just doesn't have quite the same charm as the first one. I think they tried to cram a little too much into the movie. I think there's a lot in here Again, that, that does maybe really a work. byproduct of it being edited down by 40 minutes. Well, because they, they had to get to a certain point. That might be. I mean, yeah. that really might be it. There's probably more room to breathe in the other version where this kind of doesn't feel so yeah. rushed. Totally. You have that whole section that, you know, it's so brief, but yet vitally important of Thor going to take a bubble bath and then getting, yes. a you know, <laughs> a vision of, you know, why we need the vision and what's what's coming. And they kind of half explain that. But, uh, you know, you have a bunch of different things happening in the middle of this film that have nothing to do with the film. And it does feel like it's yeah. pieced together and disjointed. you're missing pieces. Yeah, yeah, very disjointed that, you know, it's not connected from section to section. Overall, I still like the movie. Is it The Avengers? No. Is it Infinity War? No. But you I still it. like it. Um, and, I do, and I do really like James Spader. And even though I'm not a fan of the structure of Ultron, I do like his voice as as Ultron, even though Totally agree. Even though, yeah, they're trying to make him funny. I I think he portrays what they were having him do well. I just didn't like what they were doing with him. But I really yeah. liked him as Ultron. Yeah, I there's a lot I like about this movie, but I do think that Ultron could have been a lot better. He should have been menacing. You know, he should have been legitimately scary. Um, yeah, like the whole plot at the end was just kind of weird. Like, why didn't he just take control of like the nuclear arsenals, you know, like something like that, you know, that would have been like, well, they mentioned he was trying to, but Jarvis was keeping him out and that's really, that's when they realized Jarvis was still alive, quote unquote. That said though, I do like the twist where Tony Stark's the one that creates Ultron. That actually makes a lot more sense. It's a good way to stream. Well, yeah, because Hank Pym is very different. He, and at this point, hadn't been introduced yet. Yeah, it would have been a lot to explain. And like, I, I just like I like the idea of Tony creating Ultron. That makes sense to me. 
I think that works yeah. better than <laughs> yeah, Ant-Man. Freaking Ant-Man creating Ultron, you know? <laughs> so this one has um, a lot going on with a lot of characters. They introduce Hawkeye's family. Uh, they mm-hmm. introduce the concept of the Hulk and Black Widow having some kind of relationship. And spend a lot of time on that subplot, which is weird. Um, it's not. It's not to say it doesn't necessarily that it doesn't work. Uh, it's just an odd yeah. choice. I, I kind of liked um, uh, the pairing of those characters. <laughs> I kind of. I, you know, I, I agree. Uh, I remember that was a big thing when it came out that people did not like for whatever reason they didn't like uh, Banner and uh, and Natasha being together. I liked. I like both actors i really like mark ruffalo and and scarjo and i would have liked to see more of where that went uh but again yeah. this movie is missing an hour so who knows yeah. <laughs> little thing little things uh, c- could have really helped this movie agreed and there's a good chance knowing just looking at the completed product of the first one there's a good chance that there's a better movie in there somewhere yeah and it's not to say it's bad it's probably a lot like the the snyder cut of justice league I, well, yeah, no, I think this is this is infinitely, infinitely better than the the theatrical cut of Justice League. Oh yes, um, I would yes. watch. Oh, Age the of theatrical Ultron cut, yes. All day no, I long. just mean that. Like, I'm wondering if it was like a Snyder cut kind of situation behind the scenes, where like what? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. I don't but know. I don't. I know the, the studio was thrilled with some of the stuff he was been, doing. So yeah, I mean, there's so many. They didn't want to do. They didn't want to do Hawkeye's family. They didn't want to do some of the stuff that he like fought for. He fought the kill Quicksilver, yeah. you know, stuff like that. So, end of the day, if you like it, great. If you don't, that's fine. Like, I kind of understand both sides. Personally, I, I enjoy it. We have to talk about the hammer scene where they're all, where they're at the party, all trying to lift Mjolnir. Oh, yeah. Good point. I thought that was amazing. That's, that makes this movie for me. <laughs> it's moments like that. Yeah. that I'm like, okay, I'll give it a pass. It's not. It's I think not the best the scenes in the movie are, are the scene dealing with the party. Everything with the party. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, the part. The yeah, whole party that, all of that is great. I think that's probably the best stuff in the movie. You get to see them like, first of all, fight as a team and then get to see them interact like their co-workers kind of, you know, and yeah. I love that. They're almost like a family. And it's <laughs> he's he's a friend from work that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of unfortunate we didn't get more of that after this, because then, you know, Two movies later, the Avengers are disassembling, and then they don't get back together until the very end of, uh, well, you know. Yeah, that's my point. It's Endgame, too bad there right? wasn't a third Avengers movie before, like, Civil War broke it all up, where you could have had, like, the Masters of Evil or something like that. Yeah. Oh, and, and it just would have been really cool to see uh, a little bit more development of those relationships before they tore them apart. Not that it didn't wasn't effective as it was done. It was very effective. But I think it would have been a bit more devastating had they developed them a little bit further first. Sure. Um, we also get some good the, visions, like the the whole Ragnarok hints and things like that. Like there's some good little subtle character things they threw in there. I just it could have been developed more for sure. Before we segue into the final entry into Phase Two, the post credit sequence in this one is uh, one of the most I'm not gonna say influential, but but telling. It lets you know shit's about to teasers. happen. Yeah, it's ah, the most like oh. Yeah. Oh shit! Like Thanos, you see Thanos grab his empty Infinity Gauntlet, and he just says, "Fine, I'll do it myself." And so you know, the next time we see him, which ends up being uh, Avengers: Infinity War, it's 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 going down, and that it does. Yep. Uh, so after uh, the kind of 
intense Age of Ultron, we finished Phase 2 up with one of the lighter entries into the MCU, and that is Peyton Reed's Ant-Man. Imagine a soldier the size of an insect. The ultimate secret weapon. If you give godlike powers to everyone, it's going to be chaos. So how do we stop him? By knowing I. Scott, I've been watching you for a while. You're different. And I believe everyone deserves a shot at redemption. Do you? Absolutely. My days of breaking into places and stealing stuff are over. What do you want me to do? I want you to break into a place and steal some stuff. Makes sense. Are you ready to become the hero? Now, the suit has power. You have to learn how to control it. And these are your greatest allies. You're kind of cute. Whoa. When you're small, you have superhuman strength. You like a bullet. So you need to know how to punch. You want to show me how to punch? Show me how to punch. That's how you punch. You tried to hide your suit from me. Now, it's gonna blow up in your face and destroy everyone you care about. Scott, get out of there! Did you think you could stop the future? You're just a thief! No. I'm Ant-Man. I know. Wasn't my idea. Uh, this is a fun ass movie, dude. Uh, Paul Rudd is mm-hmm. fan freaking tastic as Scott Lang. Uh, Michael Douglas is tremendous as Hank Pym. I, I think Evangeline Liddy's pretty good as Hope. Um, it's a little weird they didn't just make her Janet, but I get it. You know, they ended up having an older Janet. That's fine. But I, this movie does a lot of um, filling in gaps in the MCU timeline at the beginning, and I really dig that. Uh, yeah, it shows a lot of the history the of Shield and Hydra, and yeah, exactly. And um, I really dig like the old timey, like handheld camera footage of Ant Man, like in Hanoi or whatever Vietnam or whatever <laughs> the hell it is. Um, yeah, that's that was all clever. really cool. Uh, the character interactions in this movie are second to none. Scott and his gang are hilarious together. Scott and his daughter are adorable together. Um, they have all the jokes about Baskin Robbins always finds out like all this stuff. Every yes. everyone in the movie is charming, even like the jerks, um, except for Yellow Jacket, and that's on purpose. Yellow Jacket is falsely charming. He's sleazy, like you don't trust him at he's all. When he's trying to be charming, you're like, yeah. oh fuck this guy. And that's because everyone else in the movie is like effortlessly charming. The one guy who's trying to be is off putting as hell. And 
I thought the Yellow Jacket suit was cool. I loved the way they did like oh, yeah. the small, the, the big fights on small scale, like the train set fight, or the way they yes. were like messing with sizes <laughs> yes. of things, like the giant, like Antony and all that stuff, like the giant ants or the Thomas the Tank, mm-hmm. you know, blowing up in the front yard. Um, just really clever. And I know they used a lot of the stuff that Edgar Wright had shot, or at least some of it. I'm curious to know what they didn't did, like what if that is his. But I know the majority of it is Peyton Reed's. So it's definitely Peyton Reed's movie. And I thought he did a really good job. Um, oh, yeah. And I would pay money. Apparently, there is a video out there somewhere. And I don't think it's ever been released. But Feige confirms it exists of Luis oh, yeah. summarizing the first three phases of the MCU. And that I want to see it so fucking bad. It's like all off the top of his head. And Feige says it's brilliant. Uh, but I don't know if they'll ever oh, release man, it or not. It's probably got like profanity that. in it or something like that. But I want to see it. I want to see it. He is so I, I funny. Really He's hope so they, funny. If it exists, I hope they release it eventually. Maybe that's how Avengers 4 starts, if they ever get around <laughs> to making Avengers 4. Or, sorry, Avengers 5? Avengers 5? Yeah. yeah. There's four Avengers movies. It would technically well, be five. Yeah. There's four Avengers movies. Like part, they, part there, like there are. You know, there, it's yeah. a two-parter. They're separate movies, buddy. You can't argue that. <laughs> I know. I know. It just bothers yeah. me. <laughs> Should have been Avengers. They're individual three, stories. One, the third one, just it, just because they lose doesn't mean it's not a complete story. Infinity War is a complete story. They just lose. Yeah. This is the good guys don't win. You know, Empire okay, Strikes Back. I mean, if you, you know, I'm about to you, say you you're going to call Empire Star and Jedi Wars different three movies. movies. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, the original See, Chris, trilogy. Chris is and one I know story. what we're saying. <laughs> yes, but is it one movie? I guess not. So ah, was, I gotcha. Back to Ant-Man. It's not episode four, parts one, two, and three. <laughs> exactly. What did you guys yeah, think of Ant-Man? Enough. Go ahead, Eric. Okay. <laughs> I freaking love Ant-Man. Um, yeah. It, it's up there with Guardians for me. Both the Guardians movies, like I watch all the time. This is something I could throw on at any point it's just it's it's fun it's a great comedy but i like the heist elements in it that they worked in all those all those sequences are great um the characters are awesome paul red's amazing like he can do no wrong in my book uh when this came out i was very very excited uh i i like paul rudd as as scott lang i don't think if they went with say that the hank and janet version i don't think paul could have pulled off being hank so i think he's i think he's a i think he's a perfect scott i think michael did a great i think as much as i love the hank janet dynamic in the avengers uh this works uh for for me oh totally no totally oh yeah i love the fact that they started with scott i like that there's the older mentor and and i like the fact that that the when you get to the wasp stuff like the fact that the wasp is the professional who like knows how to use all the tech and is a way better fighter and like way more proficient at everything um is a reversal of the hank pym janet van dyne dynamic from the comics because in the comics Janet was literally just Hank's girlfriend she was a fashion designer that he wanted to impress so he gave her superpowers mm-hmm. um, see less and less hard to believe yeah, this guy created Ultron idea. isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, Hank I in the comics kind of sucks um, but I do like this version of Hank quite a bit 
Um, he's not perfect, but I think I like Hank from the comics because he's broken. That's why I like him. Like he's not. I mean, it's fine if you have a broken character. Tony's a broken character, but Hank in the comics is a sociopath. (laughs) Well, it's because it all gets tied to this one really shitty story that was written by the guy who was also the editor in chief at the time. So he didn't have anybody telling him this is a really shitty story. And it like tainted the character for the last 35 years. That's how bad it is. But anyway, neither here nor there. The version in the movie is great, and I'm glad that he's still sticking around. And Michael Douglas seems to be having a hell of a lot of fun playing him. He really seems to enjoy being in these movies and promoting these movies and working with uh, Evangeline and Scott Lang and all that. Or Scott Lang. Paul Rudd. Um, Mm -hmm. It's – that's how good he is. No, it's – it it was a a lot of fun. It was a joyful movie. Like, you know, it's just – you walk out feeling good. You you laughed like almost the whole time. It's just – it's a fun movie. Again, it kind of brings to mind – and I keep using this example. Maybe the mummy is a better example, but like the Indiana Jones feeling. Not that it is, you know. Yeah, it's got you, don't, you can't put Ant Man next to Indiana Jones and be like, that's the same. But it has that <laughs> feel of like adventure and fun and and whimsy, but at the same time, like stakes and danger and assholes and you know, I just I, I like it. It is kind of like it's a it's a weird one um, genre wise. Like it, it's so many things, right? Like it's kind of like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but it's also like a heist movie and a superhero movie. Yeah, <laughs> all this stuff mixed together, and it somehow works. Like they just balance it, it perfectly. Very well. It works very yeah. yeah. It's it's one of my. It's favorites. a movie that on um, paper shouldn't work, but it does. I think. So then we get to our mid and post credits scenes, and the mid credit teaser is uh, that Hank has relented to his daughter Hope and has introduced a suit that he made for her to be the new wasp uh, that he's been kind of keeping from her. But now he feels that he should not have been and and he's ready to let her have it. So she's going to be the new wasp, which leads into the sequel of Ant-Man titled Ant-Man and the Wasp. Um, The post credit sequence is a brief teaser for the next movie in the MCU, which is Captain America Civil War. And that will kick off phase three. And it, the tease is the Winter Soldier in some kind of. Uh, it's hard to tell from just the teaser. And I'm going by someone, like, had I not already seen the movie 40 times, uh, his <laughs> Winter Soldier's arm is in some kind of contraption. And Captain America and the Falcon are standing in front of him talking about how they're going to need some backup on this one. And Falcon looks kind of to Steve and says, I think I know a guy. And that kind of ties into the fact that this has the another great use of the MCU and the fact that Ant-Man is having to steal something from the Avengers campus and runs into the Falcon and has a little fight with the Falcon before he's dipping out. And it feels like it's a little one-off just to be like, look, an Avenger. It's very, very cool, but that you could excuse, you could be excused for feeling that's what it is, but then it ends up setting up his entire future because it sets up his relationship. That encounter ends up saving half the universe. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> it does. That's a good point. I didn't even think about it. Because if Ant Man's not associated so with the Avengers, then you know, Endgame doesn't happen. Yeah, blah 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 blah. Yeah. So very good cool. Point. And that's how that's we wrap up phase two. <laughs> so um definitely come a long way from uh where we were at in phase one at this point. We've gone to space, we've seen the microverse, we've seen Ultron and I uh, met tons of new characters and seen the fall of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Hydra and a bunch of stuff has happened. So uh, out of the six Phase 2 films, what would you guys say, if you had to pick, is your favorite? Oof. Yeah. All that stuff. There's some really good candidates here. Oh, man. I'll let you go first, Zach. 
Oh, sure. Pressure. Um, <laughs> it's uh, for me, I think I will go with the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Phase two actually is the phase I have rewatched the least, and I don't know why. It just, I, I think it's just they haven't popped up recently. But Winter Soldier, I think, from from beginning to end is just such a great, solid movie that has ongoing Sweet. effects in the MCU. Guardians, mm-hmm. I really love. I think it's a great movie. You can watch it. It's It's got everything. It's funny. It's action. Um, it, it does involve stuff with the MCU, but not... Not to the scale, I think, of Winter Soldier, but it does bring Except you out and, and give you, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but we've already known that he's there. It sure, didn't really sure. set him set him up, but uh, I don't know. Winter Soldier does have comedy built into it. I think it's the solid film out of Phase Two uh, for me, with Guardians as a close second. Yeah, I guess I'm gonna have to go with Guardians. I love Winter Soldier. It's way way up there, but. I I've Guardians is just such a like I said it's so rewatchable. I've seen it probably more than any other MCU movie. It's it you know sci-fi comedy music everything about it's great. It's just fun. And James Gunn, you know, can't go wrong. Mm, yes. If they did more with Ronan, I would totally be on board with you. But to your point, Winter Soldier is like I wish we had seen the Silver Surfer, but they didn't have the rights to that. Oh movie. man, Silver Sol- Silver Surfer showing up would be cool in a Guardians movie. We'll see. No, that Maybe would happen that would be that would make you skew squee with glee, knowing that Galactus isn't far behind. Exactly, yeah, as long as he's not a dust cloud. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say my favorite is also the Winter Soldier. Um, although I think Ant Man is a very close second, and Guardians is a close third. Weirdly enough, I think out of all of these, the one I've seen the most is probably Avengers two or possibly Iron Man three. Because for a while, those were like my, I'm going to sleep, I'm going to put something on, I'll just throw on Iron Man 3, throw on <laughs> Avengers 2. So I've seen at least yeah. the first half of those a ton of times. But, um, mm. I, you know, I'm still not 100% convinced they haven't topped Winter Soldier yet. I mean, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's just perfect. It's hard to compare those two movies because Winter Soldier is... Like like Zach was saying earlier, they're on opposite ends of the spectrum. <laughs> well, again, yeah, that's Guardians why it's not which one is better. It's which one's your favorite. You know, which one did you like the most? Which one spoke to you the most? Oh, totally. Um, Winter Soldier is one of the most grounded Marvel movies, I think, and I think that's one of its one of the best things about it. I mean, yeah, there's there's some you know bigger, larger than life stuff in it. Obviously, it's a comic book movie, but it feels like the stakes feel more real. If that makes sense, it's not a space opera. Yeah. <laughs> that ends with a dance off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I do like the the spy aspect of uh, Winter Soldier. I, I really like those kind of movies, so that one really works for me. Uh, I just think Guardians kind of edges it out just slightly. It's very close. <laughs> so Phase Two introduced a lot of new characters to the MCU, some of which have become mainstays, like the entirety of the Guardians team, the Falcon. Who am I missing here? Oh, yeah. uh, the Vision, Scarlet Witch, Ant-Man, of course. So pretty significant names. The Wasp, technically, uh, out mm-hmm. of these new characters. Yeah, the so, roster is really growing at this point. Right. So not counting Thor, not counting his buddies, not counting Tony and Rhodey, not counting Cap. I would say not counting Bucky, even though Winter Soldier and Bucky are very different. Like So, you know, new, quote unquote, new characters yeah. from Phase 2. Who would you say is your favorite? 
As far as the allies, the heroes? Uh, it could be any new character, honestly. It could be a side character, it could be a villain, like, as long as they're new from phase two. I guess the villains don't really come back, though, <laughs> for the most part. Um, hmm, that's tough. Again, that doesn't, they, all that matters is which one was your favorite. Which one did you personally enjoy the most? It could be Yellow Jacket, and all the rumors are he'll actually show up again, but you know what I mean? It could be, oh, that'd be cool. just whoever you liked. Trevor Slattery. <laughs> like, you know, the, the Mandarin. Oh, tw- God damn it. <laughs> the Mandarin twist really <laughs> threw me off initially, but I've really grown to love that character. I think he's great. You would take Trevor Slattery I, over Falcon or any of the Guardians of the Galaxy or Ant-Man? <laughs> uh, yeah, I you mean. You have to turn in your yeah, geek or card. Or the Scarlet Witch or the Vision. Scott Lang's pretty great. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, I wasn't even a huge Ant-Man fan until I saw that movie. Like, I think Paul Rudd really made that character work. Uh, yeah, there, there's some good ones. There's some good ones. So you're going with Slattery? <laughs> yeah, I'm going with Slattery. <laughs> Chris, Chris can't believe okay, it. Okay, what about you, Zach? Oh, boy. Um, I'm just... Try- <laughs> are we trying... Are you asking me of Phase 2 who I love right now, or are you trying to have me go back in time? Uh, just now, I guess. Okay. Um... Because I can't remember back. Yeah, that was a while ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, at the moment, granted, this character has had a lot more development. And I, I love this character. And I, I can't wait to continue to see what they do. But the Scarlet Witch. I oh, yeah. loved I loved um, so much of what they did with her with the comics. So many. She's, in, she's so freaking powerful and can do yeah. almost anything. And Elizabeth Olsen is an incredible actress. I love how she portrays Wanda, even though, you know, the accent wasn't that great in, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it was just there and then just for the most part disappears. And I'm fine with that. I really like (laughs) her. And she, she's not even the Scarlet Witch at this point. She's Wanda. She doesn't become Mm -hmm. the Scarlet Witch until far into the future. So uh, I really liked Wanda, Wanda's introduction and I've, been a big fan of the character as it continued through the MCU and very soon in the in phase four. I have yeah. a really hard time with this question because on one hand you got the Falcon slash Falcon. Yes. Captain America. On the other hand, yep. you've got the Vision and the Scarlet Witch and Ant Man. Mm-hmm. These are four of my absolute favorite MCU characters. All four of them are fantastic. I could pick any yeah, of those four awesome. and be completely like, yep, I made the right decision. Um, do you? I mean, I know technically they're the same character, but do you count Bucky Barnes and the Winter Soldier as the same? I'm gonna say character? they're the same character. I'm gonna just that just for the sake of this particular question, I was saying let's try not okay. to count Bucky because there are so many other new characters, um, and that technically Bucky's he, been around. He was technically in the first one. Yeah, yeah, he, he mean, was. So just, just again, just for the sake of this question, but he is really mm-hmm. like he's definitely a villain, so we can use him in our next question, but. Um, I, I was just saying, like, just you know, if you decided that was your choice, I wasn't gonna be like, nope, doesn't work. <laughs> oh, this is tough. I really want to say Ant Man. I want to say Vision. I'm gonna say Falcon. Um, I really, nice. really liked. Yeah. I really liked that their uh, uh, Anthony Mackie's portrayal of Sam. I, I walking out of Winter Soldier. I remember him going like, 
dude, I loved everything about that movie, but like maybe my favorite thing was the fact that the Falcon was fucking cool. Like they didn't make the Falcon yeah, lame. Yeah, they made him cool. Not that he had been lame, but like a lot of people looked at him like he was lame. And I always thought the Falcon was awesome. Yeah. They had all those like Jack Kirby comics. The costume was kind of goofy mm-hmm. in the old comics. Yeah, but it's a, but, you know, 70s comic book. I, I, you know, right. I, I'm used to the Iron what? Fist costume, you know, for God's sake, or Storm. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody would walk around dressed like that. <laughs> But I'm glad they upgraded it. Like they they um, modernized it. I don't know. The, like the tech yeah. aspect oh, yeah. of it was clever, um, and they developed on it to the point where like he does have a super suit by the time he gets to Civil War. Um, but this is yeah. a really cool way to introduce him. So, favorite Phase Two villain? Got a handful. I will. You know, um, it's too bad we couldn't count the Mandarin because for about two thirds of the movie, it looked like <laughs> we had a pretty good one going, but. So the third one, yeah. you've got the AIM goons or Aldrich Killian. Uh, Thor 2, we, of course, have Malekith and Curse. I guess Loki would still count. Um, you have the yeah. Winter Soldier or Hydra or Alexander Pierce, Crossbones and the Strike Team. And uh, Alexander Ronin. Pierce is pretty great. Yeah. Ronan and Nebula from Guardians of the Galaxy. Of course, Ultron and Yellowjacket. So of that gang, we have it's a very... Uh, uneven listing but did you guys have a favorite i can tell you right now what mine is and that's the winter soldier but other than that it might be yellow jacket maybe i'm not sure (laughs) yellow jacket's up there but i i think without a doubt it's the winter soldier like yeah he yeah like (laughs) he might be the best if if you want to just say he's not really a villain but like a puppet then alexander pierce also works in that spot for me sure yeah, I just I think he's the best MCU villain up until this point. Uh um I mean hands down Malekith who's so great. <laughs> he's, he's best. Uh I I got to also go with the Winter Soldier. Nebula would have been a close second. Uh I really yeah. like I really Nebula's like her character, yeah. but I like sure. I like the Winter Soldier. I mean both characters have continued to evolve and develop over the past few films. But uh, definitely. definitely the Winter Soldier, he felt, Bucky as the Winter Soldier felt like he was a match, if not, you know, more than Cap throughout that movie a couple times where he, he could have taken Cap out. Um, and they it looked like he almost did a couple times. So I'm going to go with the Winter Soldier. That their fight under the overpass where Bucky's got the knife is fucking yes. sweet. Yeah. That whole sequence is great. But the reveal that it's Bucky. Like we yeah. know as fans of the comics and stuff, but the way Cap, like that, when you have that moment where he realizes who it is, and he's just so caught off guard, that was powerful. Like I was mm-hmm. impressed with how they pulled that twist off. All right, so this segues us into the next question I have for you guys: Who's your least favorite Phase Two villain? <laughs> I'm imagining it's oh, either Aldrich Killian, Malekith, or maybe Ultron, but probably one of those first two. Or maybe uh, Ronan. Killian, maybe you just really don't like their version of Ronan. Killian didn't bother me quite as much as he bothered some people. He's definitely not like one of the best, but you know, he, he's serviceable. I like his motivation. Yeah, I think it's probably, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I should have said it's more than likely the answer more than likely would be the Mandarin because it wasn't really even a character. Yeah, he was a, yeah, it's all PR. So that's probably, I would imagine that'd be most people's answer, either the Mandarin or Malekith. Um, Malekith I gotta say like Malekith such a nothing you know I think I think Malekith too because as bad as the Mandarin thing can be portrayed as like at least it was 
something different. Malekith just felt generic. Well, the thing is, if you've read, especially some of the newer Thor comics, what they've done with Malekith is really interesting. And they even the old stuff by Walt Simonson, man, he's Malekith. He's a madman. Like he's terrifying. He's like Thor's Joker, and he's got dark magic and it's just like it's really bad like he's unhinged and then the one we get in the right. movies is like i am a bad guy and i want this shiny <laughs> thing so i can do bad things and you're like i well, don't fucking care <laughs> they got they got a great actor to play him but they didn't give him anything to do and he was so stiff the whole time and uh, it just wasn't i don't know it was missing something. it felt like he was out of like Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dredd and everybody else is in like a different level. Um, <laughs> and that's not a ding on Eccleston. I think he's a great actor. It's just the character is probably developed. So I think that's probably my vote. Even over the fake manner, it would be Malekith. Uh, I, for me, I'm actually going to go with, with Ronan because I was enough. more familiar with that character than Malekith and, and the Dark Elves. Uh, so for me, I was, I did not, I didn't like the portrayal. It was, for me, it was a bigger letdown. Malekith is there, but, um, I mean, I'm not a fan of the, of him as a bad guy. It, it, it's very straightforward. Like you said, of I'm a bad guy for reasons. I, yeah. I was more bored with the character. I wasn't let down, but that's because that's all just because of my knowledge of the characters. So I'm going to go more for, for Ronan for me was what I was not happy with. It's kind of a bummer too, because I think the guy that plays him does a really good job. I just think like that was not the best. There was other characters you could have used there instead of Ronan, the accuser. Like he, did he even at any point say you stand accused? Like, you know what I mean? Like he does, does like where he points the hammer at him and he's about to beat the holy he, living shit out of like Thor and the Hulk. I don't know. He had the hammer, but I don't know if he ever uttered that phrase <laughs> yeah you know what i mean like he didn't do his the, the, his bits and then you know sometimes yeah, no. it's just like fan service it just would have been nice to see like one of them it's all um, yeah, they, no. they nerfed him pretty hard though yeah he, he should have been able yeah. to wax that the does remind the me power stone we still haven't had thor say for asgard like that that's his like catchphrase kind of in the comics right um and he's never there, uttered well, he it in movies at all He's had a few like Stanleyisms. I, I don't think we'll ever. See. We may get one of them in Taika's sequel. We'll see. They could have worked it in at least in the Dark World. You know, they could have worked that in somewhere, and they didn't. That's that's yeah. that one kind of bummed me out. There, there was a lot of missed <laughs> opportunities with these early Thor movies. I think, um, like Sif. I thought Sif was a great character, and we got like one, two scenes with her in this second movie. Um, yeah, I just yeah, feel like they in the third one. That. She's uh, in, yeah, it. she's in the opening. She's in the opening of the fir- of the second film, and luckily she wasn't in the third film, or she would be dead. Yeah, yeah the she's in Loki. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, she's she here again in Loki, Loki at least. Yeah, yeah, but just as a memory. As but a, she's yeah. still she's still out there. She she has yeah, not when been they when they do that, that's usually them trying to remind you that a character's still around. And I think she is in the fourth. Thor movie, and I hope she is. She deserves to be in I it. I hope so. Um, God, I'm so excited so, all for right. that movie. <laughs> Next question. And there are some really, really good ones here. What's your favorite action sequence in Phase 2? Oh, mm. man. There, there are, are lots. Iron Man 3, probably most famously, you have the airplane rescue, and then you have the, the scene at the, the finale with all the Iron Man suits. 
Um, the Dark World actually has a really inventive fight with the Ether and Malekith and Thor using these like I'm never quite portals. like these divining rod things where they're teleporting all over the place. It's actually visually very. That fun was to inter- watch. That was entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't say it's the best, but that's the best scene no. in that movie more than partner. likely. Yeah. Um, yeah, Winter Soldier has like five, but probably the highway fight is the most famous. Uh, or the yeah. helicarrier fight at the, the end is incredible. Are sweet. Or the storming of the the ship at the beginning is really fantastic. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Even has the a Zola lot. sequence was cool. You know. Yeah, I wouldn't call that an action sequence necessarily, but it is I guess a very not. Cool scene. Yeah. Well, it's not um, like things happened. Out, yeah. yeah. You know, Guardians <laughs> ha- has some pretty big space battles and stuff like that, and some pretty cool True. fights. Avengers True. has some really. That Hydra opening is very cool. Then you've got all the stuff with uh, with a lot of fights with Ultron and um, the fight with Iron Man and the Hulk, and that's a big one. <gasps> oh, I almost forgot and about then, that. Uh, yeah, and then, of course, the I think the biggest scene. one would be the big fight with Yellow Jacket in in uh, and w- when you in say Cassie's big, bedroom, you mean small, right? Well, like the, <laughs> the, the epic the fight with Yellow Jacket in yeah. Cassie's bedroom and across the neighborhood and all that stuff. So out of those and any other you can think of. Do either one of you have one offhand ready? I, I, if not, I already have mine ready to go. Why don't you go, Chris, and then we'll jump in after. Okay, so I think the only reason, real quick, that it's not from Winter Soldier is because there's like five really excellent, like the Nick Fury sequence in the car is, yeah. is memorable as hell. Like, that's oh, really, yeah. that's really good. That's a there's so scene. many of so those intense. in that movie that. I think they almost kind of steal votes from each other in my head. And so uh, the dark horse kind of sneaks in. I, For me, the one that I always think about the most out of all these would be the fight with Yellow Jacket in Cassie's bedroom. The use of the pin particles sequence. for drama and comedy at the same time and action yep. is like next level awesome. And I would say honorable mention shout out not only just everything in Winter Soldier – but to the airplane rescue in Iron Man three, I think that's really cool. Uh, it's it's tough. Um, I I really enjoyed so many of these fights in Winter Soldier. It's just like a giant action fight scene for the most <laughs> yeah, part. Yeah, the whole movie. The whole movie. Um, man, the overpass scene is so good. Um, Age of Ultron, seeing the Hulkbuster oh, suit. Fight. Uh, oh, the yeah, the oh, elevator yeah, fight. The elevator totally forgot great. about that one. Yeah. Um, Age of Ultron, the Hulkbuster suit, and the Hulk just going ham on it. Um, yeah. Just <laughs> going back and forth with that. I, I wish there was That's more amazing. to that, and I wish it didn't just end so abruptly, but I understand why you needed it to, because uh, yeah. the, there's, there's no reeling Hulk back at that point, so you kind of had to end it. Uh, but I love I, I I'm there with you, Chris, that I think the fight that has it all is the Ant-Man uh, final fight for comedic purposes. But it, it has really stakes. Uh, it's got everything, no, it like totally everything, is. everything in Winter Soldier. It's so action packed in the fights that you're it, it ha- every fight there had me on the edge of my seat. Um, but I'll go with the final fight between. Ant-Man and Yellow Jacket in, in Ant-Man. I think that was the best overall fight. I do love that that ending uh, in Ant-Man. That's that's an amazing sequence, like special effects wise, comedy wise, everything. It's it's awesome. But 
for me, I think my favorite action scene out of all these is actually in Iron Man 3. And it's the scene where the Mandarin, sorry, uh, Killian, attacks uh, Tony's home in Malibu. Uh, oh yeah that's a good one with the helicopters and that's after he yeah. gives his address out yeah that's a really yeah, exactly. good one like almost immediately after he calls him out <laughs> on live tv um and it's great because there's it's it was so unexpected and then you're suddenly worried for pepper because she's there and then he does that moment where he throws the armor on her and you see this like her expression changes and she's like oh shit he's gonna die it's such like I don't know. There's something about that scene that really worked for me. Um, yeah, I don't it's know. Pretty it was pretty awesome. Great sequence. Yeah, it was a, it was emotional, like really intense. Um, and it's like his whole place got nuked. <laughs> like the place is falling <laughs> into the into the ocean. You know, it was falling off the cliff and stuff. And, and Jarvis like, flies him away like half dead. Jarvis just flies away like an emergency escape route to go investigate yeah. in, like Tennessee. So he literally just runs away. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah no, it was it's, awesome. It was such um, an unexpected moment, and it, and the whole movie is kind of different from that point. But like, man, yeah, how do you pass that? How do you top that? You know, Tony. The ending was great. Next time, <laughs> sorry. Next time, don't give Tony, your next time you give your address on television. If you're gonna do that, it'd be wearing your freaking armor. All right. Yeah, Come exactly. On. Give out someone you don't like's home address. You know, like Justin Hammer's home addresses. Yeah. Uh, all right, so <laughs> that would have been great. Out of these six films, which one of them had your favorite Stan Lee cameo? And for those that don't recall offhand, in Iron Man three, we see Stan is a beauty pageant judge, and he's greedily giving out tens to the ladies. Uh, Thor: The Dark World, he's a mental patient who loans a shoe to Doctor Selvig after his mental break. He's like, "Oh, I want my shoe back." Uh, at the Winter Soldier, he plays a security guard at the Smithsonian Captain America exhibit that Cap goes and steals his old uniform from for the big final fight. And he's like, oh, I'm so fired. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, we see him on Xandar uh, when uh, Star-Lord first meets Gamora and Rocket and Groot, and we see him hitting on a young girl. Uh, and then in Age of Ultron, he is a veteran of D-Day who is a guest of Captain America's, and he kind of talks a little shit to Thor and then drinks him as guardian mead and then is drunkenly carried out of the party. And then finally in Ant-Man, he is a bartender in a brief clip in one of Lewis's stories towards the end of the film. So of those six appearances, I think I know, I think we probably all have the same answer, but which one is your favorite? All of them. Yeah. (laughs) That's actually a good answer. For me, it's, it's age of all the Excelsior, that's my favorite. Oh, yeah. It's a hands down. It's such a good scene. I, I legit laughed out loud uh, with most everyone else in the um, <laughs> in the theater to hear Stan Lee drunkly scream his catchphrase <laughs> it, that, you know, and, as he's carrying Kind of putting his finger in Thor's chest like, hey there, blondie, Omaha Beach didn't scare me. Like, <laughs> talking, <laughs> talking shit to Thor, it's great. Um, no, mm-hmm. totally. Um, Aaron, I will the say, though, a runner-up for me. Yeah, no, definitely. The, it's definitely the Age of Ultron scene. But a really close runner-up is the Winter Soldier one, because that one's actually really important to the story <laughs> uh, yeah. in a weird way. Um, but yeah, that's it's pretty great. While I was looking up 
Stan Lee cameo stuff, uh, I came across this little random tidbit that after he did the Age of Ultron cameo, that was his favorite cameo up until X-Men Apocalypse. Do you guys remember what his cameo was for that? Oh, man, I'm trying to remember. I remember his Deadpool. So during it's, a, during, it's when the nukes are launching, good isn't ones. it? Yeah, the nukes are launching, and he is and next and his to his wife. wife. It's him yeah, and his wife, Joe. Him and Joni. Oh, so yeah, then that cute. that became his favorite cameo because he felt it was much different than every other cameo he had done for the MCU and the other movies, and it was with his wife. So I think Chris up until that, too. <laughs> up until that point, drunk Stan Lee was his favorite cameo. <laughs> that's awesome that's so cool to hear uh, alright so as we get ready to wrap up here our last question will somewhat fittingly be about the mid and post credits sequences so as we look to the future for the next time Zach comes to hang out with us and we talk about phase 3 and get to see uh, the introduction of some more characters and of course the uh, the inevitable clashing between the Avengers and the Mad Titan Thanos what is your favorite of the mid or post credit sequences here in phase two, as we look forward to phase three. Uh, again, we have Iron Man revealing that he's been talking to Bruce Banner in Iron Man 3. The Infinity Gauntlet going, or the Infinity Gauntlet, the Infinity Stone going to the Collector in Thor 2. Bucky at the Smithsonian, or the Strucker revealing Strucker revealing Wanda and Pietro in Winter Soldier. Howard the Duck in Guardians of the Galaxy. Boo. Fine, I'll do it myself <laughs> from Age of Ultron. The new Wasp. Or the teaser for Civil War from Ant-Man. I will say, for me personally, (laughs) and this is tough because a lot of these are really good. But for me personally, it would have been the twins. The reveal of Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch got me really excited. I think that was the one that Uh, had me the most excited about what was coming next. I didn't realize we'd see them so quickly thereafter, but I was very happy that we did. For me, it's got to be the Thor the Dark World one with the Collector. Um, yeah. I thought that was great. That was, that was such a cool moment, you know, the infinity store. I mean, sorry, the infinity stone call out. Uh, yeah, it was a confirmation yeah, of what we kind of expected, but we didn't know for sure until they actually say infinity stone. And, you know, like we've got Thanos uh, and you've got infinity stone. Like, it's not hard to see where this is going. Yeah. I mean, obviously the, the Thanos tease in the Avengers was pretty cool, but this really cemented like oh they're actually going there that wasn't just an easter egg this is part of the story now um and that was that was huge this, I remember like, that this is really the story now pumped yeah mm. yeah so that was cool uh i i i really enjoyed uh thanos picking up his gauntlet and and going fine i'll do it myself i mean one yeah, i don't know cool. why he's letting other people do it uh but yeah, i i kind I of expected that at some point, because we already knew he was going to be there. We know it was going to get there at some point. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed it. But for me, the one that got me the most uh, hyped up, uh, again, was also the twins. Because that, for me, came out of nowhere. That was cool. And I went, oh, what? what? Yeah, I wasn't expecting okay. that at all. Not all right. All. I, yeah, I'm, I wasn't sure if they were going to do excited. like an X-Men crossover there. Like, I was... No, well, all right. So, so the happened, rights but... were disputed oh, for I... Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch because Fox was yeah. trying to define them as X Men characters because they're mutants, and Marvel said, "Fuck that, dude. Magnus Trust us. We guy. know." <laughs> Just because they have ties to the X-Men does not make them X-Men characters. They were first introduced in X-Men back in like 1963 
but they've been in yeah. Avengers since like 1964, you know, and they, they've always just been Avengers characters that used to have ties to the X-Men books. And uh, totally neither side won. So both side won, so which meant that we all kind of lost. So they both had the rights to use both. Fox <laughs> never got around to using Wanda, thank God, but they used Pietro Although, pretty well. I will say, yeah, they did a great job with Quicksilver in the X Men movies, as we've talked about previously. True, they did um, for sure. Um, and they, I'll, you know, I it, think they did a better job with Quicksilver in Days of Future Past and those, yes. at least that film, than they at did with one. the Quicksilver here, I in my opinion. I think they did a better job showing his powers in that movie. But yes. I think this version of Pietro is much closer to the character Pietro. Uh, yeah. Just this kind of dick sure. who's like always on overprotective asshole mode. And um, yes, they, you know, a very smart mouth, especially when it comes to Hawkeye. And I just thought that was so perfect. And I thought they, they used his powers pretty good in this one, too. But they didn't have that, like, whole, let's spend a third of our budget showing this one Quicksilver sequence. <laughs> Probably because they're better filmmakers than Brian Singer, I'm just saying. But um, <laughs> that was a very cool them. sequence in both Days of Future Past and X-Men Apocalypse. But uh, I, I, you know, I don't have no any. No one will ever know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, man. Last time I saw a bunch of Ultrons were sitting on him. I'll miss the speedy little bastard. <laughs> um, before we wrap up here, did you guys have anything else you want to talk about with regards to phase two of the MCU? Since you guys brought up the Thanos scene at the end of Age of Ultron, I feel like that was a little out of place. Like, I, I liked it, but when you really think about it, it's it not should like have Ultron been in the Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Like, it, it, like it Ultron makes way wasn't more sense. working for Thanos. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Ronan so was, so it would have made a lot more mm-hmm. sense if at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy, Ronan Thanos is like, fine, I'll do it myself. Yeah. I um, get what they were going for, though, because... Like, and then maybe at the end of the Age of Ultron, you show Thanos' Thanos. ship outside Xandar, you know, or something like yeah. that. You, know, you show that, like, oh, shit's happening that they don't, they aren't aware of. It does it feel a little out of place. Yeah, It's a very it cool sequence. Well. It's very cool, and it works very well, but it's just in that... It, it feels weird being in that movie, which it just had what nothing to do. What do you think do. about it? Yeah. Well, I mean, although it did have a lot to do with the stones, though. the scepter, yeah, yeah, I guess. So. I mean, the mind stone, but is that very could explicitly... be. There could be a deleted scene that maybe explains it a little bit more. Like maybe he did have yeah. a part in the movie originally, but who knows? Who knows? I guess we'll never know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I mean, like that it was meant for Guardians I, if, of the Galaxy. <laughs> I mean, if they did, then that would have been three times because Loki was the first one that mm-hmm. had a stone that was trying to do stuff for. Uh, for Thanos and then we had Ronan. Uh, uh, Ronan and then maybe something with Age of Ultron but the scepter is back not being used as intended and I forget was the collector also working to collect the stones for him but also had his ulterior motives no, he had to his, grab he them was for himself because he wanted them and Thanos just assumed okay. I'm sure he Thanos knew to collect where they them. were and he Get knew that graded, the last time anybody you know. heard he had the power stone <laughs> Uh, before it was taken to Xandar, so he probably fit, figured it was, it's probably a good bet that dude has one of these things. Yeah. But that's kind of the thing. Like, Infinity War, because it's so sprawling and so huge, they do jump around a little bit. But we'll talk about that probably two episodes from now, because as we mentioned a little while ago, uh, Phase 3 is pretty freaking massive, and it's really where uh, the groundwork laid by Phase 1 and Phase 2 
starts to really uh, bear some fruit. We get a lot of brand new characters. We're introduced to Black Panther, Doctor Strange. We finally get an MC version of Spider-Man, thank God. Um, we get a lot more growth in each of the individual franchises with new characters and new directions, new storytelling. We, uh, and we, we get to we see get, Wasp, we see Captain Marvel. We yes. get a lot. Doctor yeah, Strange? Yeah, for sure. Uh, mm -hmm. Doctor Strange, Wong, Black Panther. I mean, you get a lot of new characters, and then uh, Thanos comes and, and just fucks it all up for everybody. So we'll be talking about that, but uh, it is ten films long, so we'll probably end up splitting that into two separate episodes. But hopefully, Zach, you're willing to stick with us for both of those and for however many episodes Phase Four ends up being, because already it's like six TV shows <laughs> worth of material plus a few movies. Um, but thank you so much for joining us again, man. I really appreciate it. I had a lot of fun. Uh, can you, you want to plug anything before we wrap up here? I mean, I get to hang with you guys for more MCU stuff. Really? Aww. <laughs> um, I mean, everyone can follow me through Podcasters Assemble. That's where I'm continuously doing stuff with Eric uh, and and you as well, Chris. You know, we're just plugging along with our seasons of, of Batman and counting down to, I think, Jurassic Park. Whenever this comes out, I don't know. We have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> And disassembled and then, as well, too, of course. And disassembled, that's right. Uh, I've got Big Trouble in Little China I'll be working on, and then we've got uh, Shark Week and a lot of things coming coming that way. Oh, I and can't then, wait for Shark Week. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be drinking a lot during that one. Uh, and then <laughs> I also... I also do uh, continual guesting with Neatcast and Effin Cultured. Right. They have they have episodes every week. I'm not on every one, but I am on occasionally. So please go and help out uh, Neatcast, Effin Cultured, and Podcasters Assemble. All great podcasts. And Eric, where can everybody find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Eric Slater. That's Eric with the K, Slater with the D. D is in Delta. Um, and yeah, I'm on several different podcasts. Uh, the newest one is the Super Switch Club, where we're playing through Star Fox for the Super Nintendo. <laughs> uh, yeah, damn, that's that's a hard game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, you can also check us out, of course, over at ComicZombie.net and find us, uh, follow us on social media at ComicZombie on Discord, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Uh, Twitter, of course, it's ComicZombie2 for some reason, but uh, Zach, thank you so much again for joining us. Eric, as always, thanks for joining me. And uh, we will talk to Zach next time when we cover part one of the MCU Phase 3. Until then, same copyright infringement time, same copyright infringement channel. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Excelsior! 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 This has been a presentation of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Follow us on Twitter at ProbablyWork for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called ProbablyWork.com. I'm eating a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> I love cookies. They're so tasty. It's like pure chocolate. What kind of cookie is it? <laughs> oh, look, we're recording. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> oh, it's like... It's amazing. That's oh, impressive. I almost just spit water all over my computer. That would have been. <laughs> this would have been a short podcast. <laughs> Man, when all we right. get to phase three, we may have to split that into two parts. That's 11 fucking Yeah, phase three is 10 movies. So yeah. we might want to split that into two parts. And then phase four phase is like, here's 85 hours of content because each one's a TV show. <laughs>
Yeah, we'll get there when. Anybody want to take a bathroom break or anything real quick? I'm I'm okay. I'll have t- I'll just go while I'm sitting here. Hey. Oh, hey. Oh, we weren't talking about you or anything. <laughs> no. I'm ready if you guys are. We're already recording, by the way. <laughs> We're yeah, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thrilling. Uh, okay. 13 uh, minutes guys, get so to be taken ready? out. Ready. Yep. Okay. Um, and that's Which, uh, where... Oh, you were going for it. No, I, I thought you had a point there, and I thought that um, that uh... <laughs> okay. Did you see that message? Mm, nope. Eric just oh, said, "Hey, I don't mean to interrupt, but I'll be back in like five minutes." <laughs> oh, dude. No, we can keep going. Okay. Um, Eric's got to drop a massive deuce. Everybody, sorry. He's got to go beat up a child. Oh, jeez. Oh, no. Get off. Stop playing Fortnite. I'm podcasting. That's how we talk in Florida. Um, continue, Chris. Um, sorry about that, guys. I'm back. Uh, I really no, dug Say what you got to say, man. Don't, have, don't abbreviate yourself. Say what you got to say. Hang on one second, guys. Hello, pushy. <laughs> My cat's puking. Give me a second. <laughs> It's all the good. It's not exactly close. And I it that hasn't happened to me on a recording before, but uh it's probably TMI. <laughs> well, we already know how you always take massive dumps before you start recording. We've already established this. So don't worry. That's right, that's that, canon on the Trek podcast, right? <laughs> yeah, well now it's now it's crossed universes and now it's part of uh, Comic Zombie. We made sure to mention it, so don't worry. You're, yep. you're covered, buddy. <laughs> A uh, little bit of trivia, though. That scene where they're all like Avengers, and he goes, this- "Oh, did we lose you, Chris? Did I lose you guys?" Now I'm still here. Chris was lining up to say something, and then he lined up to say Avengers. <laughs> oh no! And then <laughs> he never came back. <laughs> oh no, Chris. Chris. <laughs> oh man. Um. Here, let's. Uh. Nope. Not sure what happened. <laughs> Can you hear us, buddy? We're talking to you. <laughs> you said Avengers. <laughs> he d- you did. You s- you lined up for the perfect ending of Avengers: Age of Ultron, and now you're taking it to a new level. You still haven't come <laughs> back for the next movie. Can you guys hear uh, me? This- hey, oh yeah, there you are. Welcome back. What the living crap was that? That was so weird. <laughs> did you get muted? Okay. So, so Cap was originally going to go. The scene where Cap goes Avengers pause and then disappears for 45 minutes. No, um, originally there were going to be two more <laughs> Avengers in that room, and then we segue. Um, before we segue to the next Real one, quick. the post credits. So sorry, go ahead. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we have to talk about the hammer scene. Oh, Chris, you muted no. it. You muted yourself again. I heard you hit the keyboard. Is it there like it the space okay. bar or something? Sorry. Okay. There no, you go. What happened was my screen. My screen went dark, and I I literally just tapped my mouse, and it, I guess I guess it muted it. Um. We'll try to have Zach back before long so that we can we can crank through this because I think phase three is going to be a lot of fun to talk about because there's a lot going on. Um, Are you saying you guys don't want to do it tonight? (laughs) No, I'm (laughs) kidding. I'm kidding. I'm so fucking tired, man. Yeah, Um, hilarious. It's it's just like working two jobs at once is 
obviously. Yeah, I um, don't recommend it. I've been there before, bud. I am going to go to bed here in a minute. I'm going to go hang out with my wife for like five minutes at least before then. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Nearly 30 years ago, John Hammond's dream of bringing the prehistoric past back to life became a reality thanks to Engine's dedicated team of scientists and their trademark state-of-the-art cloning technologies. An experience 65 million years in the making, Hammond spared no expense in creating this one-of-a-kind ecological preserve where people from around the world were invited to see dinosaurs up close and personal for the very first time. Jurassic Park was originally set to open its doors to visitors back in 1993 on the luxurious island of Isla Nublar. However, due to technical difficulties, its opening was delayed indefinitely. A few years later, another attempt to revive Jurassic Park was planned for a location in San Diego, but unfortunately befell similar complications which seemingly spelled doom for the project going forward. However, after careful planning, increased security measures, a complete remodel, clever rebranding, and the right amount of time for public amnesia, the world-renowned five-star resort Jurassic World was officially open to the public and celebrated its 10-year anniversary in 2015. During that time, we here at Engine have heard the rumors regarding genetic testing and mutations. We're also aware of reports of increased volcanic activity on the island. But we would like to put your mind at ease and assure all of our potential guests that Jurassic World is as safe as it's ever been. Now, we would like to cordially invite you to a wonderful world of a time long forgotten and revisit the magic and wonder of the Jurassic Park franchise as we lead up to this summer's release of Jurassic Park Dominion in theaters June 10th, 2022. Right here on the latest season of Podcasters Assemble. Submissions are always open.